dependent spirit. So we're going to come to the word of God tonight. And we're in this series at the beginning of the year. Which reminds us of God's prophetic intent over arena church in this season. To stand out and shine. And Christian took this verse from Matthew 5 and uh, 16. Regarding being the light of the world. Sitting on a hill that cannot be hid. So that people may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Standing out and shining. That's the call of God over us. There are three elements to that. That we'd see people genuinely saved this year. Going on a journey of discipleship. A significant number of people. That's what we're believing for. That we'd see multi-light small groups continue to proliferate around the M1 corridor. People gathering in small groups where the kingdom spills out and God does amazing things. And for an increasing community impact. And of course this is part of our journey here in Arena Mansfield that we increasingly engage with the community in fruitful and significant ways. Christian was able to share something of the story of community impact during these three nights this week that I've already mentioned. And I know that the guys and girls were very, very impacted by the grace that's on us to make a difference in a needy, needy world. So that's where we're at. And tonight, if you've got a Bible, then you may want to go to Philippians chapter 2, which is in the New Testament. I'm going to read three verses. If you're not, then they should come up on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Well, we could stay there for a long time, but we'll move on. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the words of life. And tonight we're continuing our series. In the first couple of weeks of this particular message of standing out and shining... We took the thought of being strangers in the world. Me and then Christian spoke to that. Not weird, not freaky, not odd. But recognizing that God has put a call upon us, if we're to be followers of Jesus, that causes us to stand out from the world. And I want to go there tonight, but the podcast is still available on the website for you to, re- uh, to, to listen to those. I encourage you to do so. And then we've been taking, just for a few weeks, some thoughts that spill out of that whole thought of standing out and shining. And last week we took the thought of integrity, which speaks of wholeness and completeness. Josh Turner in the morning at Ilkeston, young generation speaking into that great truth. Paul Stokes, one of our elders, here last Sunday night. And he had a board, he had, he had, he had a, a, a magic trick with Andy, he had a golf club, it was all happening on stage last week, but a great message from Paul that reminded us of our call to wholeness. And tonight, because we try and sort of set up ministry, it's not just going to tickle our ears, friends, but it's going to speak right into our hearts. We've got the thought of purity. That's the challenge of tonight. How do we live pure, blameless and pure? That's the call over the Christian's church in this day. How do we stand out and shine in this age? In what is often a dark backdrop. What if you put that? There we go. And that's the thought. If you forget everything else tonight, 
And I want you to remember that picture. One of our guys this morning was explaining, who takes an interest in these things, explaining uh, that's just a, a little micro shot of the great galaxies created by Almighty God. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Purity. A call to stand out and shine. This is often contradictory, paradoxical, because in our society, which like the society that Paul described, is often warped and crooked, our society often paints an impure backdrop. I don't know whether you gazed up into the sky on some of these cold, frosty evenings that we've been enjoying during the winter, but sometimes in the blackness you'll just be inspired to look up and see the stars twinkling multi-million miles away, but lighting up the blackness. There's a sense where it gives us a picture of what God wants to do in our world, that against all the darkness we see, even some of the stories that we've been confronted with in our news media, even in the first few days of a new year, there would be a people, not only a people in Uganda, not only a people in Africa, not only a people in North America, but a people in Mansfield, in this area, that would shine like stars in the sky. I want to say, friends, that's the greatest war, that is the greatest call that could ever be on our lives. I don't want to be gratuitous tonight or go over any boundaries, but I do want to give a challenge of the enduring word that sits in our modern culture. Verse 16 says, as you hold truly to the word of life. And so here's what we're going to do over the next few minutes. I'm going to talk for a, a little moment, and it will be a little moment, about impurity. And then I'm going to sort of define for us purity. I'm going to give an illustration from a king in the Old Testament. And then there'll be four applications to our lives. But firstly, a few thoughts about impurity, because it's all around us. There was a lady called E.L. James. She started to travel on the London Underground and began to write uh, some, some words. And she had an aspiration to become a novelist. And the book ended up being The Fifty Shades of Grey. It sold over 100 million copies in 50 languages. And this weekend, the film was released in the UK. Interestingly, on East Midlands News on Friday night, it told us that the seventh largest pre-booking for this film listen to this, was Mansfield's. I'll move on. If you're asking me, no, I've not read the book. And it's not on the bookshelf, because even though I'm a stranger, and I, when I was talking about a stranger, and when I've been thinking about it since, the only way I can describe it is that as I was just sort of praying to God the other day, it's almost like God laughed over me and said, boy, did I set you up to be a stranger. He really did. But I live in a real world. And I've got my eyes and ears open. And uh, the reality, friends, of reading enough about this uh, phenomenon called Fifty Shades of Grey is that for me it's impure. Because it's giving a license for men to treat women inappropriately. If it's on your bookshelf, I suggest that it finds the bin for this week's collection will serve the law. What about the pornography industry? A multi-billion pounds profit made for unscrupulous men and women through the exploitation of men and women every day 
around the world. I was reading this just this week that in 2015 it's estimated that the adult content simply on mobile phones and portable appliances will reach over three billion dollars plus. 35% of all boys in this nation in a survey done have admitted they've viewed inappropriate images too many times to count. We'll all be aware there's a lot of impure temptation out there and it assails us every day. You don't have to furtively go to WH Smith's to the top shelf anymore. You can do it in the secret of your own home and nobody will have a clue. But God's sense. And this week on the front page of the Times, Wednesday the 11th of February, there was a report from an academic review and research on adolescent relationships where the report gave to us the fact that over half of teenage girls in this nation have been coerced into some sort of sex act of some description. An impure background. And look, this impurity, this blackness is often through visuality, looking on stuff, vulgarity and vanity. People thinking a lot about themselves. I want to say, friends, there's a different way. Jesus said, bless, which means to be happy, spiritually prosperous and fortunate, are the pure in hearts, for they will see God. Psalm 24, verses 3 to 4 says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who will stand in the holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. And just after post war in this nation, in the Western Isles of Scotland, some young people used to meet for a prayer meeting, Christian. And one night they began to confess Psalm 24 before God, and they all fell to their knees. Because they were overwhelmed by the holy presence of the Lord and a mighty revival swept the Hebrides, led by Duncan Campbell, that saw thousands and thousands of people come to Jesus Christ in a way that had never been seen before. Enough of impurity, let's move on. The dictionary definition for pure is to be unadulterated, undefiled, and, and uh, uncorrupted. And the language of the New Testament very often gives us more than one word for our English word. As you've heard this described before, we were talking about time the other week. Not only chronos, but kairos. Not only time in terms of calendar, but kairos in terms of a prophetic season and moment. And exactly the same for the word pure. There's the word hagnos in the original language, which is very closely related to holiness. There's a word that speaks of being cleansed or clean. And there's a word that speaks about being unalloyed or unmixed. God wants your life neat. He doesn't want it mixed up with loads of other stuff. He wants you completely and in entirety. And in 2 Chronicles 34 in the Old Testament, there's an illustration of someone that got it. You may say, well, I really find it hard to read the Old Testament. And these stories about kings, what on earth have they got to do with me living in 2015. Well the Bible says in Romans 15 and 4 that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through an encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. In other words you need to read it through a lens of it applying to your life today. And nothing is compromised through the cross. It complements what God is saying. God's not a different God in the Old Testament to what he is in the New and so I'm not going to read any of the verses from this passage to save time. Simply to say that if you get opportunity to read the story of Josiah, I encourage you to do so. 
Because what happened is Josiah became the king at eight. Imagine that. A little eight-year-old boy. No doubt he had counsellors and wise scholars around him. But he came to the nation at a time where he was utterly bereft of a sense of morality and God-centeredness. It had rejected God. It had pushed God to the periphery of civic life. And one of the things that reflected that was that the temple was in a state of disrepair. In the Old Testament, friends, the temple was the epicenter of God's presence. It's where God's cloud of glory came. It's where God met with people. It's where the priests represented the people. Where sin offerings were given. It's where the business was done. And Josiah, by the time he was 20, says, this is ridiculous. He began as a teenage boy to seek after God. And what if we've got some young people here tonight that are going to rise up and stand out and shine and get a hold of what God wants to do for them in their generation? And he began to empty the temple of its junk. And as they were emptying the temple of things that were in it that shouldn't have been, they rediscovered what they described as the book of the law or the word of God. And they began to read it. And they brought it to the king. And they realized that the Bible was a powerful word. That it was a plain word. And it really is, friends. Oscar Wilde says, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me, but the things that I do. It's a plain word. And it's a present word. It's a prophetic word. A prophetic church, friends, is not a church that has 25 prophecies every night to prove that it enjoys prophecy. You've heard two, at least two prophecies tonight if you don't need to hear what God's doing. But the prophetic church, friends, is a present church. You see, people come into church sometimes, they, or they perceive church, and say, church is boring, church is misty, church has got nothing to say. And the reality is, friends, some churches are like that. They're like that. They've got a touch of the 1960s over them. They're retro and proud of it. And they want to reach this generation. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen, friends, is that we absorb the enduring ancient word of God and make it applicable into a modern context where people smell that we're current. That's prophetic. And the Bible will never be out of date. It will always endure to the end. It will always have something to say, even into the complexities of society that we face today. So there was a response. Josiah and the people on the face before God. They responded to the Lord. And then they repented. They turned around. Don't have time to talk about repentance in any depth tonight, friends, because it's a subject on its own. But repentance is not just for when you become a Christian. Repentance is something that we need to live with. And here's the illustration, Sharon. When we occasionally go to London, doesn't like the London Underground. And she doesn't get the maps of where we're going. I just tell her to trust a man and everything will be okay. You see, just hang on. Because the reality is, friends, that sort of, I've sort of got a bit of a sense of how it works, even though I'm not a Londoner. And the reality is that when we jump on the train and we want to go east, I'm looking at the next station to confirm that we're going in the right way. Believe it or not, occasionally I've got it wrong. And the fact of the matter is that if we want to go west and we're going east, it would be absolute idiocy to carry on on the train because we're going further and further away from our destination. What happens? We repent. 
We get it off at the next station. We go to the platform opposite. We go that way and we find where we need to get to. And it may be that tonight you are going headlong in a direction that's hurting you, causing you pain, causing you to feel shamed and unclean. There's a chance tonight to repent, to turn around, to give your life to Jesus Christ, to let him clean you up and set you in a new way. But before we finish tonight, Christian will give you the opportunity to respond to the word. They responded, they repented, and they renewed their commitment to obey God's word. Because they understood that the temple mattered. And God says there was judgment coming to these people, but I'm pulling back. Because I see the response of the hearts of the people. And how do we respond, friends? How do we respond if we want to stand out like stars in the sky? How do we respond if we want to affect this area? You may say, Phil, I feel so messed up, so impacted by the darkness around me. There's so many things in my life that I'm not happy with, that, uh, that uh, I'm ashamed of, that I feel sullied and dirty by. But God says tonight, he wants to bring us to a place where we'll live pure for him. And here's the four things briefly. Number one, pure in mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The computer buffs amongst you will know G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. You know, I've blamed the computer so many times. Ah, computer! I've realised I've put something wrong in. You know, I've put, put something wrong in. You know, I can't expect something right to come out. It's when I'm tempted to continue to run back to pen and paper. And I want to tell you, computers don't always work. Let me give you an illustration. Friday. I'm in Birmingham at quarter past ten Thursday night. I'm back at Walsall at ten o'clock Friday morning. My appointment arrives 50 minutes late. I am in blessed. He says, I am so sorry. I have been changing my information from an iPhone to a Samsung. And for some reason, it didn't transfer the dates that I had with you. Well, I've got an iPad, but in my bag also, and I will show it you right now, I have got a backup plan. It is called a diary. It is amazing. But the reality is, I was on time, and he wasn't. It doesn't always work, does it? And uh, if you've got a Samsung, well, Christian, you've got one, haven't you? No. Okay. If you put rubbish in your computer, you're going to get rubbish out. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure. Lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Then think on such things. Assemblies of God General Superintendent of the USA, Pastor George Wood, says that such words prescribe our choices of entertainment and ensure that they guard our minds. You know, years ago, in our type of church, it wasn't up for grabs. You didn't go to the cinema, okay? If the pastor found out, it was a vestry job. That means you were pulled in. Friends, it's 
yeah, there's one or two that were in the vestry, okay. It's not a case of whether you can go to the cinema or not. It's what you go and watch. So the Wolf of Wall Street, that had 547 references to the F word, is perhaps not a great film to go and watch if you're trying to put Philippians 4.8 into action. Well, it, the multi-channels that you can appropriate at home, any film that you can do through Netflix or whatever, all those things great. But do we want to be pure? Do we want to be pure? Do we want to allow those verses to impact and prescribe our choices of entertainment? Pure in heart. Proverbs, a book that Christian is reading at the moment, chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Guard your heart because out of it come the issues of life. It is the wellspring of life. What is the heart? Well, the heart is the seat of one's life. The heart, friends, is what a man really is. It's your internal world that reveals itself openly and outwardly. There were people in the Gospels, religious people, that were trying to trip Jesus up. And they were trying to bring him to get people to, uh, to respond to religious rites and rituals. And Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter uh, 13, sorry, in Matthew's Gospel chapter 15, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come from a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile him. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, false testimony, slander. These are what defile people, not eating with unwashed hands. That does not defile them. They were picking over trivia. Things that didn't really matter. Jesus has always got to the heart of the matter. Because the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. The problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. It's here, friends, that needs to change. This is a lovely little song in kids' church years ago. Come into my heart. Because you mentioned it the other week. We can pick over whether it's theologically sound or not. But it's an invitation to let the Lord by His Spirit take over our internal world and change us forever. If I go into a context, friends, where there's a bloke that's taking the name of Jesus in vain every two minutes, is using inappropriate language in every sentence, I don't need a word of knowledge to know there's something wrong with that guy's heart. Anger, frustration, resentment, Bitterness, false spilling out. Now he's talking. Now he's talking. And God calls us to be pure in heart. Did you know there are over a thousand references to the heart in the Bible? Now he only tells us to be born again once. A thousand references to the heart. What's the condition of your heart tonight? I was talking to one of our young ladies this week who has had a relation that's had a heart operation. Physically, a heart operation. One of our well-known ministers has had a heart attack this last few days and had to have a stent in. Got people saying, tell you what, mate, you just collapsed. But you'll be all right, okay? So, yeah, right. Well, people do things to bring repair to the heart. And do you know something more important than that is the, not the heart that pumps the blood round our body to make it work, but the real you, because yeah. that defines you forever. And one day you will have to give an account before God of your heart response to Him whilst you were in the earth. 
that determines whether you'll be with him or without him forever. The people are wandering around. You need heart surgery. You need to let the divine surgeon get a hold of you and change your heart forever. Thirdly, pure in motive. Proverbs 16.2 All a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the law. Christians often said to me, and he's absolutely right, there's some wonderful people out there that aren't Christians, and there really are. Beautiful people. Talking to our next door neighbour. Oh, we've got out from church this morning. What a lovely lad. Yeah. Do anything for you. Yeah. Get something to work every day. Don't see him sort of not going out to work. Lovely lad. Raising a nice family. Just a nice lad. Yeah. Not a believer. They're all over the place. They are. All over. They raise good families. Yeah. They pay their taxes. Yeah. Unlike some rich people that belong to my bank this week. <laughs> and so we could go on. The kids are well behaved in school. They're good members of society. They sell something back in at times. And you know, sometimes when you share them the need of God, some of me. Because <laughs> all a person's ways seem pure. To them. To them. You see, the best of us, friends, in the light of God's holiness is the worst. And the only way it can be changed is when we run to the love of God that's found in Jesus Christ. Motives away by the Lord. In John chapter 12, there was a party. Because in John chapter 11, there'd been a resurrection. Lazarus had been dead for four days, and Jesus says, Come forth! And he called him out of the grave. And sometime later, at his house, with Mary and Martha, his sisters, there was a party in the honour of Jesus. And Mary, in abandoned, wasteful worship, went to Jesus. And she poured, listen, pure nard, a perfume over his feet that cost a year's wages. What sometimes used to happen in Eastern cultures, they'd sort of save this, like a bit of a nest egg that they'd sell on as an investment in later life. She poured it over the feet of Jesus. And one of the disciples said, Oh, what a waste! What an absolute... And then he thought he got a really good point. You see, that money could have been given to arena community. A year's wages. But motives await by the Lord. And he's seeming good response was shot down by Jesus in a moment said leave her alone for what she has done is a good thing when you seek to live with a pure motive before the Lord sometimes it will be attacked it will be misunderstood it will be misrepresented it will be misjudged but all you need to know friends is that you're before God not living in the ways that seem pure to you but with the motives that are weighed by the Lord and are right before Him. And then finally, pure in body. Because I want you to bring you back to Josiah, who cleansed the temple. Because in the Old Testament, God had a temple for His people. Which was why King Josiah was so impacted by the state of disrepair of the temple, even though he was a young man. And through the cross... That principle, friends, is still intact, but it's shifted. Because now, God doesn't have a temple for his people, he has a people for his temple. 
In 1 Corinthians 16, at 6 and verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? John Bevere, a very worldwide respected Bible teacher, says, God is not looking for a people to visit, but to inhabit. And here's the incredible mystery and blessing of the good news, friends, that when we give our lives to God, He indwells us by His Spirit who wants to clean up the temple and make it fit for His presence. There are still people around, friends, today that believe, as they did in the New Testament, as they seek to confess a higher spirituality, that they say that what we do in the body has little consequence to our spiritual journey. This is not true. If you want a long word for it, it's called Gnosticism. It defines spirit and matter. And the Bible clearly teaches, friends, that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, our bodies become the temple of the Spirit. And that has a responsibility of how we live in the body. Earlier in Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 6, it gives a gory list of what some of those believers used to live like. Such were some of you. But you're washed. You're justified. You're sanctified. Veteran Bible teacher Michael Green, who led a wonderful church in St. Aldate's in Oxford for many years, wrote a book on 1 Corinthians and reminded us that our bodies are the temple of the Spirit and that those people have been called out of an immoral immoral life to a pure one and that the challenge was unmistakable and undeniable he reminded us that our bodies matter to God because one day they'll be raised they're indwelt by his spirit they're harmed by inappropriate behavior they, they, when, when we live immorally it wrongly constituates robbery and rebellion we belong to Christ as one great songwriter said, I am not my own, I've been bought with a price. Precious blood of Christ. Forgive me for being so bold, friends, but as I come to the end of the message, I just want to say this. Maybe your first time in Arena Church, think, good grief, what is this guy going on about? But please stay with me. Because if you'll get this right, it'll really empower your life. Because here's the truth. Does Arena Church believe in sexual relationships? Well, the reality is yes, because that gift is from God also. But we have an ethic, a moral ethic that sits over Arena Church. I'd like to read it for you. Because the elders, the leaders of the church believe in it. It says, people matter to God, all people, all people. And the map at the door reads, welcome, you are welcome tonight. The challenge for all is to live out the sexual ethic taught in the Bible. This encourages full sexual expression between a man and a woman in the context of a marriage relationship and prescribes sexual abstinence for everyone else. The challenge comes with grace, recognizing confusion and brokenness are rampant in a fallen world. So we honor the journey of everyone seeking to sincerely follow in Christ's ways. Does everybody live like that in Arena Church? Probably not. But if we can say it boldly, friends, that's our pure stance. We're not moving from it. Shining as stars. 
in the sky. Standing out and shining in purity. Clearly, this is not easy. But by God's help, I wonder if God can find a group of people across all ages that will commit with renewed intent to living just like this. Then you will shine like stars in the sky. One translation says, then you will shine like stars in the universe. And friends, when we really begin to stand out and shine, not because we're weird, but because we're pure, we can have an impact on this world that so lives different that it could be amazing. With thanks to take bats, all the stars are coming out tonight. They're lighting up the sky tonight. For you. For you. Or perhaps more appropriately, for them. For them. Not that we might rule the world, but that we might certainly impact it. Perhaps tonight you're broken, tainted, tarnished by this corrupt and warped generation. Perhaps there's things in your life that you don't think there is any forgiveness for. The reality is there is. And in a moment, Christian's going to come and lead us in prayer. The one that's able to cleanse and wash every stain from our life and give us a completely new start. My call tonight is that the arena stars would shine brightly. A bunch of ordinary men and women, I'm one of them, that gathers together in this Sunday evening congregation in this town called Mansfield. That we live with purity against a dark black background like never before. And I sense as we do that, God comes very close to such a people.